the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Monday, February 12th. We're officially in NFL offseason mode, as you've seen from tweets and articles and all that from me over the past 24 hours. That's where we're headed today. Talk Chiefs, talk 49ers. Uh, a little how we got here, a little, mostly where we're going, You know, which contracts do we have to talk about, which players do we have to talk about. Some of the injury stuff that shifted some offseason thinking here and, you know, some possible retirement shakeups as well, which could put a nail in a lot of the thought processes here. Uh, so it's those two teams up front. I quickly flipped to some storylines, just immediate NFL offseason storylines, uh, you know, some trade stuff, some free agency stuff, et cetera. And then some cap space discussions, a little bit of baseball at the back end, but it's a, it's a football heavy Monday, November, Monday, February 12th edition of the spot track podcast that's next all right i've got an article live on spytrack.com posted yesterday super bowl players eyeing a payday many of them were featured in super bowl 58 as you might imagine uh, not so much the quarterbacks as has been discussed at length brock purdy not extendable patrick mahomes got his last summer late last summer and he added to that yesterday with a 1.25 million dollar escalator for 2024 Almost a $46 million payout next year now coming after a 50 and change in 2023 per the restructure. So quarterbacks are set. I will say this, in both cases, the backup quarterback situation probably needs to be addressed. Sam Darnold may come back on on a one-year minimum deal with San Francisco. Kansas City probably has to go cheaper. Um, They just have to live at the means, unfortunately, because of Mahomes' price tag and because there are notable free agents and extension candidates all over this roster. Let's talk about them. I'm going to skip Chris Jones. Everybody knows where this is going. Um, the franchise tag is probably off the table here. It's almost $35, $34 million, excuse me. Uh, that's not a cap hit that Kansas City can, can swallow early. He's a $30 million player. He showed it again yesterday, especially when it came up big at the end there with the deflection and the rushing and the hurries. We don't know where this is going. Uh, my sense is, timing-wise, there's not enough time to get something done from a compromise standpoint, and he walks to, to March 13th at least, which means other teams will have a shot to blow him out of the water with a price tag. Uh, do I think he leaves Kansas City? I don't, but where's this going to fall, right? What kind of contract are we looking at? Um, you can see my predictions online and pretty much every podcast I've had over the past few months because he's been the name. Um, Brandon Ayuk, similar. We've talked about this. There's a world where he's an $80 million wide receiver, even though you barely saw him yesterday. And I know, I know how this looks, you know, Debo is Debo and McCaffrey is McCaffrey and Ayuk is probably the fourth or fifth weapon. You know, when you talk about Purdy's legs and Kittle and, you know, on those fourth down, that that's, that's where the ball is going. Ayuk's route running, Ayuk's ability to catch his, explosiveness over the past two seasons it has been noteworthy, right? To the point of where his value went from, we have to decline the fifth year option to we're not, not only not, we're not declining it. I'm not sure we can lose this player. Uh, he's just an integral core piece. However, you know, there's that Christian Kirk T Higgins type thing where he probably feels like his role could be expanded elsewhere. So on an, on an open market and he's not, he's got a fifth year option next year. But who knows with these 49ers? They like to be frisky. They like to add defensively, even when we think they don't need to add defensively. This could be a situation where he's at least a candidate 
to be traded this offseason if there's no long-term extension coming, right? If they don't believe that they can pay Debo, keep McCaffrey at $12 million, and pay IU $22 million a year, which is where we have him here currently projected, just keep your eyes out for a Brandon Ayuk, at, uh, at least a trade block scenario this offseason. A uh, few more weapons here, because most of this is defensive, uh, as we've alluded to. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably walks into a minimum contract this offseason. He's not a nothing. There was a point in his career in this rookie contract where he was a zero. He's not a zero. So expect somebody, maybe even a contending team, Green Bay maybe, right, to just splash a minimum contract at him and try to make something out of nothing there. Uh, he's going to walk. There's no question about that. I don't know if Jared McKinnon returns. So, so right now you've got a Pacheco and empty room situation in Kansas City in terms of that running game. That's important. That's, that's extremely important. A ton of these wide receivers have fallen off the roster. A ton, right? Maybe everybody not named Rasheed Rice. There's a world where that's the case. Tony's fully guaranteed at $2.5 next year. You know, Watson, Sky Moore. I, I don't know how many of these guys run it back and how much, you know, MVS is a $14 million cap hit next year, right? And you can clear 11 of that. So just for cap purposes, two or three of these guys have fallen off the roster. Can you trade Tony at two and a half? I don't think so. I don't even think there's a seventh round pick out there for that player right now. So you're probably eating that on the way out the door. But there are at least three, possibly four wide receiver positions to be filled over the course of the spring and summer here. There's no question about that. Now they're going to draft heavy. But that doesn't mean there won't be a splash at that regard. You know, and by splash, I mean B or C. I'm not talking Mike Evans, T. Higgins, necessarily speaking, but some sort of splashy move here. And this is where we have to get to. If Travis Kelsey retires, and it, to me, it's 50 50, you know, two years, 30 million and change left in this contract, but going on age 35 season, just walked, won the Super Bowl brother is probably going to retire. Do they want to go in the Hall of Fame together? There's a lot of reasons to swing in that direction right now. But from a roster standpoint, if Travis Kelsey retires, that makes things a hell of a lot more complicated, right? A hell of a lot more complicated for this roster because now you're, you're taking, you know, it's Pacheco, it's Rashid Rice, and the field. Can I say that? Noah Gray will be entering an expiring contract. Blake Bell is a pending free agent. You just don't have the depth, right? You got so much juice out of Travis Kelsey that if he does decide to walk away, it is a gigantic weapon to fill. Four wide receivers, your best playmaker in Kelsey, and at least two running backs, at least, knowing what's about to happen here. So I wouldn't say it's easy for this Chiefs team to run it back. It was never easy for Tom Brady's Patriots to run him back. They had a ton of turnover on an annual basis, a ton. They never sat on their hands. They always traded or released somebody we didn't think what they were going to do. That, that just may be the Chris Jones move here, right? It may be we're going to pay Legereus Sneed, the pending free agent cornerback, who his value just absolutely skyrocketed in 2023. He was maybe a $12 million player in our system entering last March. Clearly, Kansas City should have known what they had and extended them. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. He's a $16 million floor right now. And there's a world where 
somebody actually J.C. Jackson's him into a top-of-the-market contract in terms of cornerback pay right now. So is that the position that they decide from an age standpoint that they just don't want to give up on? Now, McDuffie is a stud, you know, and they've got some other players to go there. But the McDuffie-Sneed combo is one of the big reasons, one of the top three reasons that this team just won the Super Bowl, you know, and was able to make the run in the second half of the season, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying Chris Jones isn't that player, but when you factor in age, when you factor in it's going to take 30, you know, it's going to take 75 guaranteed probably when the Lions and those teams start to get involved. I, I just don't know that they want to get in that bidding war. And for Snead, can you just make him feel good for two seasons knowing McDuffie's contract's coming probably in 2026, 2020, spring training 2026? So... That's the decision. That's the big decision on the defensive side of the ball. There's plenty more, right? Drew Tranquil played well. <clears throat> um, a bunch of the D linemen, you know, Carl Loftus is, is going to stick around on his rookie deal. Can't be extended until after 2024. So you've made some smart drafting moves to stagger things a little bit. And you're probably extending Bucker, by the way, who's entering a contract year and was as terrifying of a player out there yesterday as anybody else in the field. You just knew. The second they crossed the 50 where this was headed with with that guy in, in, on, on your uh, special team. So it feels like he is graduating into the upper echelon of special teams. Yeah, this is about the weapons, you know, and we've had plenty of off seasons in the Patriots dynasty where that was the case. It was just who would, were they going to make a splash, right? The Randy Moss, Brandon Cook scenarios, or was it going to be just plugging and playing three to four guys? And you, every year you just had to continue to move those out like a revolving door. My guess is that's where they go unless Kelsey retires. If Kelsey retires, they're going to have to make one splash, right? And whether that's Evans on a two-year guarantee, something to that degree, they're going to have to go that route. So there's plenty of paths, plenty of directions, but uh, you know, having Patrick Mahomes good through 2027 makes you pretty damn comfortable, right? And they're going to lock up Andy Reid probably you got to give him a bit of a bump here. I think he's about $5 million per year underpaid right now, according to the top of the market coaching contract. So some, some nickel and dime stuff here and there. You may want to think about an extension for Creed Humphrey, the center, who's entering the final year of his rookie contract. Although how a lot of those snaps were low last night. My goodness. Um, you're, the left tackle is about to walk into free agency here. Donovan Smith, you had him on a one-year deal. So yes, there's plenty of holes for the Chiefs. I don't have this conversation with San Francisco. I just don't, you know, and it's, you know, Purdy obviously can't be touched. Debo just got paid. You know, the Kittle contract's kind of weird. It's a, it's, it's a little bit in that Kelsey conversation, although he just wasn't an offensive factor this year. He is an unbelievable blocker. Clearly in clutch time, they're going to look his way, you know, just not to the degree that, that the Chiefs do with Kelsey, right? So, is there a world where George Kittle and, and his two years remaining is a flex contract, you know, a bubble contract? I, I can't say it's not. Uh, I can't say it's not. The guarantees have, have fallen off now. The potential outline was 2023. So we're at the point in time now where there's cap to be saved. There's a roster spot to be saved. I don't think they're doing a thing with George Kittle, especially with the Brock Purdy situation being of such good value. Ayuk's the one to talk about here. And if you want to talk yourselves into what do they do with McCaffrey's contract, I'm here for that as well. I'm here for that too. Two years, 24 million remaining on McCaffrey. 
None of it's fully guaranteed up front at all. Probably just the cap conversion and, and keep on trucking. But if you want to tell me they bump him out a couple of years and give him a signing bonus to to make sure every, everything's good, I'm all for that as well. My initial 49ers assessment, geez, it feels like six weeks ago now, had Dre Greenlaw as a trade candidate. Because like I said, they do make these moves where you, they throw a name out there, grab a couple extra draft picks, and you know, hit a slam dunk here or there. Obviously, that's not going to be the case now. All right, because he's looking at what a Thanksgiving timeline on that Achilles tear, unfortunately. Um, that shouldn't stop them from extending Fred Warner, who's entering a contract year. There's a $24 million cap hit. He is the guy, all right? He is a PFF darling. He's an eye test darling. He's the reason that when Greenlaw went out, he, they barely skipped a beat. He is that damn good. So, if he's four for 82, right, the highest off-ball paid, li- paid off-ball linebacker in, in the history of football, nobody's going to bl- bat an eye, blink an eye, because the, the nerds love him, the analysts love him, the teammates love him. He is just that guy. So look for an extension there for sure. Uh, and then in the secondary, it's just role players. Logan Ryan was out there quite a bit last night, Deshaun Gibson. You know, veterans on near minimums that could probably come back at near minimums. But this is not a the fire alarms are, are sounding situation for the 49ers. Chase Young played well yesterday. He probably goes and finds a, a, a sizable incentive-laden showcase contract with another contender, just because at some point the 49ers have to cut things off at the head here. You know, They just cannot continue to run 12 months at the capacity that they were doing, even though Purdy's going to be a million-dollar cap hit next year. You know where this is headed. Um, so decisions to be made, but not threatening got to get something done by March 13th decisions, necessarily speaking. They're, uh, they're in strong shape. So when I go to DraftKings and FanDuel last night, you know, and it's early and it's subject to change. And I put out a couple of tweets about what's, what to look forward this offseason. It didn't surprise me that the 49ers were the favorite, the odds favorite for the 2025 Super Bowl. This, is, this roster is coming back. <laughs> okay. This roster is coming back. There's not a Chris Jones leaving this roster. There's not a Legereus Sneed leaving this roster. There's not the threat of Travis Kelsey walking away from this roster. So if you just size these two teams up left and right, this is the stable team, San Francisco. I don't know if they're better. Clearly, they, you know, they got outplayed in the second half yesterday. So I get the recency bias, but from a roster construction standpoint, this is the better team. They got the better quarterback and he's certainly locked in, but this is the better team in terms of what's coming back in 2024 for now. We will see just how aggressive the Chiefs are. Not necessarily in cap hell. Uh, the, the 49ers basically sit at zero right now, and they've got some reserve contracts that'll take them over. The Chiefs, you know, we can say they have 23. They, they don't. You know, that's, that's not even operating funds with all of these uh, free agents about to hit here. So, you know, 43, 42 active players on the roster right now for, for the Chiefs. There's so much work to be done over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Mahomes roster bonus gets converted for sure to, to lower his $58 million cap hit. And uh, and then they're off and running. But just how aggressive will they be at the weapons? Obviously, Kelsey's decision is key to everything. But I wouldn't say either of these teams are in terrible shape. Of the two, though, the Chiefs have much, much more work to do in the immediacy to try to run back what they just went through in 2023.
Okay. This is completely off the top of my head because I was up late and, you know, I didn't do my homework yet. But I'm going to run some off-season bold bold headlines at you. Just from what I've been encountering with my analysis work on spytrick.com things like that. There's no question that and by the way, I'm going to put it in this order. The Justin Fields trade and then the number one pick are the top two headlines in that order though, right? Because this is the crap that the Browns got into with Deshaun Watson. You can't go out there and say, we're looking forward to Caleb Williams or whatever you're doing without trading the guy first, right? Baker Mayfield was just a sitting duck when the Browns did what they did for Deshaun Watson. Now, it's not an apples to apples, you know, comparison there, but it could be. You got to maximize your trade value for Justin Fields before you do anything with the number one pick. Trade it, pick it, whatever you're going to do. Justin Fields needs to be traded March 11th, and it, it becomes official on March 13th. But it has to be priority number zero, okay, for this team. They should already have feelers out to Washington and Atlanta and New England and, and all these teams just to see where they sit. Now, most of these teams are going to draft. We know how this goes, but not all of them. If Tampa Bay is going to lose Baker Mayfield and they don't necessarily want to blow it up because their division's an absolute hot garbage mess, that's Justin Fields' destination, right? And those wink-wink phone calls should absolutely be happening. If Minnesota does not want to bring back Kirk Cousins at $45 million a year for two years, maybe three, I know his agent, and I know what they're probably pushing for, another three years fully guaranteed here, even though that injury is nasty. Minnesota is a Justin Fields team. Will Chicago play ball with Minnesota? I don't know. If they give the best draft offer, they'll play ball. All right. They'll play ball. But to me, it is not what do the Bears do with the number one pick? It is where is Justin Fields going? And if you want to tell me that he's not going anywhere, I think that's like 49%, 51% for me. I think because I live in the business world with this stuff, that the, the right decision has to be to reset the rookie contract. Fields is above average. I think he's just about to hit the ground. You know what I mean? If it feels like he's right there. And if you want to tell me that 2024 is going to be the big blowout year, the big year, I'd believe it to some degree. But that Bears roster is not ready. Mm-hmm. All right. They're going to be subtracting still before they really push to add. And I don't know that they have the fuel to make Justin Fields look worth it bypassing this number one pick and potentially a 20-year quarterback. You know what I mean? He may be that guy, but I'm not sure the Bears have the, the ability to showcase him properly and make it worth it immediately. So reset the rookie contract and start over with somebody who is at least going to walk into the NFL as talented as Justin Fields and hopefully with a much bigger ceiling. So then storyline number one has to be where's Fields going and what can you acquire for him? Because there's a very real world now. We're doing your work here, March 11th, 12th, 13th. Affords them a third number one pick in this draft, which then changes everything about this, about the way we assess this Bears roster. It just has to. It has to. Okay. It's how Houston got here. You know, that's the team they're aspiring to beat is this Houston Texans roster. You pick the right quarterback. You've got yourself a left and a right tackle that everybody in the league wants. 
and you start to bolster a defense that looks great. And oh, by the way, you score a couple of weapons in the draft that you're going to have ridiculous value on, right? I mean, everybody wants a tank Dell situation. That's what that's what the Bears should be walking into is a, a quarterback, a left tackle, and a wide receiver right now that can reset this thing to go with Cole Komet, maybe another year at DJ Moore, et cetera, et cetera. That's what can happen here. So best offer for Justin Fields could set us up for three gigantic draft picks in 2024 that change the course of the next decade for the Chicago Bears. That's the end of the conversation. But I, I know that, you know, we're all in draft mode now and the mock drafts are going to come flying and it's going to be May or, or Jaden Daniels or obviously Caleb Williams. That's great. I want to know where Justin Fields has ended up because he alone will change somebody. You put him on Pittsburgh right now, he changes the course of that entire division. The Pittsburgh Steelers become relevant again. So the, I don't have a, a laundry list of teams, but I don't have one <laughs> that could use Justin Fields. Tennessee. Tons of cap space, probably like Will Levis and want another year there. I don't know if they'd say no to that. Okay. The Giants. I know there's a fully guaranteed year of Daniel Jones left. You get two out of Justin Fields, minimum. All right. You get year four, you get a fifth year option that you decide on by May, and then you get a franchise tag. So. It's a really nice get for somebody. It's a really nice get. It's not unlike Darnold being moved out of New York, except for everybody in the world thought Darnold was a mess. And most people think Justin Fields is still on the uprise, on the uptick, trending upward. So Tennessee, I'm going to leave Washington out. We're pretty confident they're going to draft. Okay. Giants are a fringe. Vikings are a fringe. Atlanta's the favorite. Still, in my opinion, the favorite. The Vegas Raiders are a fringe. Probably another year of Aiden O'Connell, but maybe not. That's Kirk Cousins. That's Russell Wilson. Okay. That's Ryan Tannehill. They're in. They're, they're considering this for sure. Seattle, <laughs> a team that has been way too quiet. They have about four days to make a decision on Geno Smith. They do all their operating business in with the waiver period instead of during the league year. So most of their salary guarantees and roster bonus guarantees hit this week. So Geno Smith's 2024 salary fully guarantees February 16th, four days. We will know if the plan is to stick with Geno Smith or not by the end of this week, because they can simply walk away from this contract at this point outright release and make him a street free agent in February, save 14 million of, of salary cap and move on with their lives. But they also don't have a quarterback because Drew Locke's a, a pending free agent and they would be making Geno Smith a pending free or an immediate free agent. If that happens, they're obviously in on somebody. So they're fringe for now because they do have the, the ability to do that. I'm going to leave Dallas out of this, even though I know that's a hot take. Denver's in. Don't forget, it's been lost in translation here. Denver is about to move on from Russell Wilson historically here. Okay. And if you want to tell me that Jared Stedham's the guy, I guess. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, one for five, one for six is what we're dealing with Jared Stedham. A million of that's guaranteed. That's backup quarterback. All right. He's a backup quarterback. 
You want to make him a starting quarterback for a year because Sean Payton just gelled with him better? I don't know. Probably not, though. They're in. They're a Justin Fields candidate. The Saints would probably trade Derek Carr for Justin Fields in a heartbeat. And by the way, if you're the Bears and you're getting Derek Carr and a bunch of picks with Derek Carr because of that contract, don't grab a garbage can and vomit in it just yet. All right? Because how many of these star quarterbacks do we continue to see that had a guy before the guy? It's not the worst idea in the world, regardless of who you draft here, number one overall, to just throw a veteran out there first and let them watch how the damn thing works. I know that Derek Carr should not be mentoring anybody. I'm not saying that he is, you know, it's like a Joe Flacco situation. Joe Flacco was a lightning in a bottle scenario. It's not the model you want to go by. But Derek Carr has been through a lot. He has experience. He knows how this stuff works. He knows the speed of the game, which is really the biggest difference here. And the aptitude. He's just not consistent enough to be great. It's not the worst thing in the world. If the Bears and the Saints link up this offseason, I tell you, Saints fans would love this. Love it. And we'll take Derek Carr for one year, which is all the guarantee has. Maybe you lop off three or four million of that via signing bonus, sweeten the pot with a bunch of draft picks, and you get Justin Fields for two, maybe three seasons. And we'll take a one-year, you know, mentorship with Derek Carr to to jump in front of our superstar rookie quarterback and let him kind of slow play into this process. It's not the worst thing in the world, especially if the Saints offer up a boatload of draft picks, something they've been known to do in the past and were willing to do with Deshaun Watson, by the way. They're in. Man, I know you're sitting here saying, well, they have got minus 83 in cap space right now. How can they do anything? This happens every single season. All right? They make 11 moves, get themselves compliant, and then make a splash. They don't just nickel and dime their off seasons. They are aggressive. That would be aggressive. They're in. They're not even fringe for me. They're in. All right? And if you say, all right, the Bears aren't doing this. They don't want Derek Carr. Pittsburgh would take Derek Carr. Okay. For the one year, they just need to improve that position. Pittsburgh, Denver may take Derek Carr for one year just to improve that position. So the impossible is possible. Even when you see negative 82 and even when Derek Carr does his week in week out thing where he's you know, kind of a yin and yang Jekyll and Hyde, the quarterback position matters to the nth degree. So where fields go is easily my biggest headline. I mentioned Cousins, and I'm going to stick with the quarterback stuff here for the most part until I do my bold prediction piece. It is not a foregone conclusion that Minnesota retains him, even though that's where I, where I believe he belongs and what I believe should happen. All right? There's $28.5 million of, dollars of voided dead cap right now from that Cousins contract that will hit March 13th. The only way to avoid that is an extension from then to now. Okay. Otherwise, all 28 and a half hits in 2024. They want to avoid that. 
Now, if they're going back to the draft and they're kind of rebuilding everything and they're going to start trading everybody, right? Releasing Harrison Smith. I, I don't know how you start to do all that and retain Justin Jefferson, by the way, which is another elephant in the room with this whole offseason. But they've been extending players, right? They have not been sitting on their hands, which leads me to believe that they believe this window is still open, which generally concludes me to you're not going to reset the quarterback position if this is where your head is everywhere else on the roster. So it is still my belief that Kirk Cousins comes back on some kind of multi-year guarantee, fully guaranteed, two, two years, three years, et cetera, et cetera, 35, 45 million a year. It could be anywhere in that range based on his age and now this injury. I'm just going to assume that's the case. All right? Which makes, I think, Baker Mayfield, the preeminent quarterback free agent on March 13th. I don't believe that Tampa Bay will lock him up early or that he will accept a contract extension early. I think his agents know the situation right now and are probably reading it just like I am here, which is Cousins is going to fall off this table. All right, Minnesota is going to retain him before March 13th. They don't want that void. They want him and they don't want the voided dead cap which means by March 13th, Cousins will be off the, off the list, which leaves Darnold, Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, which is notable, Flacco, not as notable as people want to believe it is, Tannehill, I mean, really nosedived, and then, of course, Baker. I mean, that's it. That's, that's the list here. As you might expect, quarterbacks don't hit free agency. Quarterbacks like Cousins don't hit free agency either. So I don't believe you will. Which makes Baker 4,000 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. His easily most consistent season as a, as a professional quarterback. The preeminent quarterback free agent. Which means, right, if you think Derek Carr got overpaid, if you think Jimmy Garoppolo got overpaid, Baker Mayfield's next. He's the next guy in line. So all these times when I've been throwing out the numbers, and I'm telling you right now, mathematically, he's like a $19 million player. So was Garoppolo. But I, I couldn't back that up and say, well, the math is math. It's, it's going to be right. You know that's not how we operate. I tell you what the math says, and then I tell you my, my analysis of if the math is reading the room properly. It's not. Baker Mayfield's going to secure $40 million a year. All right? If Derek Carr got 37 and a half, and he was trending down, right? He was released. He was benched and released. Baker Mayfield is, is trending way up. 28 years old, almost 29 years old. Good locker room, dude. There's a lot about him. And all these teams that I just mentioned that are in on fields, at least 75% of them would probably take Baker Mayfield for the next two seasons fully guaranteed, right? I, Daniel Jones type scenario. Four for 160, that's actually two for 80 and change. That's what's happening here for Baker Mayfield. So I, I get it. it. It doesn't seem like it should happen. It seems like he should get franchise tagged or something short term again, incentive based. But he just made six and a half million dollars for the numbers I just gave you and won a playoff game. All right. He's getting paid. He's getting paid big. All right. And Jared Goff is taking the next step ahead of that. Locked in with the Lions for one more year. Going to get extended. Big, big, big. Maybe 50 at this point. 
but that that's it. All right. If we're, if we're taking cousins off the table, all it does is raise the stock of Baker Mayfield and we're going to get a number for Baker. That's going to blow, blow us out of the water. I'm just telling you right now, prepare yourself for it. Take your medicine. It's going to happen. I'm not quite sure which team it is. Again, there's about a half a dozen that I could place them on right now. And Tampa, going back to Tampa Bay does make a hell of a lot of sense. But just prepare yourself for that. Um, and the last one is this. It's more of a team headline than it is a specific player headline. The arsenal of coaches that has been put together with the LA Chargers and Justin Herbert's unit has me thinking, and I never think this way with the Chargers, right? The, the ownership straight down. But now you've gone and paid, paid a head coach $17 million a year and assembled a, a set of offensive thinkers and minds that is just ripe for superstar weapons. I don't think Eckler is in that group anymore, right? He's going to walk, you know. He's probably, what, a one-year, one $3 million incentive piece with the Chiefs to go with Pacheco just to piss everybody off. This is Barkley. This is Josh Jacobs. This is maybe one of those wide receivers we've been talking about this offseason. This is a Brock Bowers draft pick, all right? This is all of the weapons that you want to talk about this offseason have now got to be linked to the Chargers. I, I get it. They're, that's a ground-and-pound coaching staff, right? So do you flip Keenan Allen, who's entering you know, year 32, looks outstanding. You could still get some, some serious trade asset for him into something that more fits your style, right? That 12, probably the 12, the 12 system they want to go to. Just expect massive surgery on that Chargers roster. I was expecting it before we got to the Jim Harbaugh side of this, but now that we're here and now that we're seeing how it's all coming together, it may be reconstructive, arthroscopic, every word you can associate with surgery all in one off season with that team for everybody not named Justin Herbert. All right. And I'm including Joey Bosa, Cleo Max on an expiring contract and just had a career year. Everybody is at least in consideration of some sort of change, whether it's an extension on the trade block on the bubble. My guess is they want to flip that thing way over, way over. And it could be exciting. It could be really big names coming into that building. You know, they're going to hit the new stadium soon. All the things are kind of lining up. You understand why they're doing what they're doing. But they also have to just figure out the Herbert part of this. And you don't do that by going back to the draft and starting over. You can't, not at this point, you don't. You just don't. You have to continue to push the iron. So aggressive, expensive, big names, superstars. Think Clippers to the Lakers. Right? What have the Clippers had to do to become relevant and become the LA team, which they are this year? Just a pile of superstars via trade, via free agency, et cetera. That's what I feel the Chargers have to do. So if you see a name on the free agent list on Track that looks big, that, that you cannot believe is about to be a free agent and probably should just go back to the team they came from, the Chargers are in. <laughs> Let me just finish with that. The Chargers are in. Uh, Quickly, pitchers and catchers have reported there are a dozen A-list free agents still available. We are going to be on that by the end of this week. Hopefully, some of them hit. My guess is we're going to get a real late burst, unfortunately, which stinks. 
because generally values drop. That's what teams are trying to do. We're just back to the old MLB owner tricks yet again, unfortunately. But that's coming. And I don't think we're done with trades either. I'm still hearing rumblings of Dylan Cease and names like that. Shane Bieber even could move out of Cleveland. Uh, I don't think we're done there either. But I, I wanted to give that a little bit of love. Obviously, we're here. The camp has broken, right? So um, we will be giving plenty of attention to free agency, extensions, trades, and opening day payrolls as everything sort of comes together. We're live. We're uh, The 40-man uh, pay, payrolls and projected payrolls for the full season are all live on com. So uh, don't don't wait around for that. We're doing that day by day, hour by hour. As as with the NBA, after this trade deadline that Keith Smith has done an unbelievable amount of work on. So there's a article on every single trade. There's a wrap-up article. He's going to jump on with Scott Allen this week on their podcast and break down anything that matters. He's doing. He's in the process right now of writing up the projected cap space scenario based on this tread deadline for the next summer because it comes up out of nowhere. And teams that have cap space have a little bit of a power in terms of free agency and buying, buying late trades and things like that. But number for number, it's all there. There's plenty of teams over the tax, a bunch of teams over the apron, which matters in terms of how you can acquire buyout players, which is why Spencer Dinwiddie ended up on the Lakers and not any of those other actual contenders. But uh, Keith's all over it. So if you're looking for basketball news, NBA news, if you're looking for specific breakdowns of a trade that happened over the past week, that is all available on our spottrack.com page. He, uh, he was pretty immediate in the response, which is pretty outstanding for, uh, you know, it wasn't the craziest deadline, but wasn't quiet. That's for darn sure. Um, NFL salary caps. We're basing everything off 242.5 right now. I mentioned, you know, the Washington, Tennessee, New England is bunched at the, at the top here. There's plenty of teams with ample room right now. Just buyer beware. How many, how many players are actually in their contract? What does it mean, you know, for certain things, you know, extension candidates and things like that? How quickly will that be depleted? And if you're a team at the bottom, right, Buffalo, Miami, the Saints, the Chargers, how much, how many, how much of that negative space is attributed to one or two contracts? So in Buffalo's case, Josh Allen's at 47 right now from a cap perspective. That can drop down to uh, minus 23 at some point with a cap conversion on his roster bonus and salary. So. Minus 51 for Buffalo quickly becomes about minus 30 for Buffalo just by manipulating Josh Allen a little bit. Just just to get it out there, the numbers are there. They're, you know, I'm, I'm holding true to them. I've done all the work ramping up to this thing. But everything's going to quickly change as reserve futures are signed, as conversions are put in, as bubble players get released, because that's obviously down the road. And like I said, the Seahawks... Roster bonus and 24 salary guarantees are here this week. So we are in off-season mode officially at Track, And we will be pushing forward with plenty of pods and articles about all this stuff and plenty more. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.